Trevor Michael Nichols was a 24-year-old from Fort Drum, New York. He was a specialist in the Army and a father. On November 15, 2017, Trevor didn't show up for morning physical training on his Army base. Nobody could find him. Two days later, a fellow soldier allegedly located Trevor and watched as Trevor got on an Amtrak train in Syracuse, headed toward Cleveland. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Americans were not really trained people, at least not now. Yes, there was a time back in the 1800s when we'd jump on a train as fast as anyone. And one of the biggest accomplishments in American history was connecting the East Coast and the West Coast with a rail line. But then came the automobile and propeller planes and jets, to the point now that Amtrak, our nation's government-run passenger railroad, well, it looks like a Model T compared to Europe and Japan's train systems. And that's too bad because I have to admit that despite me only having ridden a train once, there is something romantic about getting on one. And if you're into mysteries, and I'm taking that you are since you listen to this program, then you probably think of many crime novels and movies that have taken place on trains. Murder on the Orient Express, Strangers on a Train, and who can forget, Throw Mama from the Train. Well, in the disappearance of Trevor Nichols, he had ridden Amtrak a couple times from Syracuse, New York, to see his family in Ohio. This wasn't unusual at all. Yet Trevor got on the train this time, but no one knows where he got off. And we the public are left to wonder what happened on a westbound train. And now a summary of the case. Trevor Nichols was originally from Ohio. He served his country, doing two tours in the Army overseas. He was married and had a son, and they all lived together at Fort Drum in upstate New York. But his military time seemed to affect Trevor. He started drinking quite a bit. His wife Carla noticed that Trevor wasn't the man she married, and there was the belief Trevor might have been suffering from PTSD. Then his wife took their son and moved back to Ohio, with the anticipation that a divorce would occur. On top of everything, Trevor had been ordered to report to Fort Riley, Kansas for his next assignment in the military. There are different accounts as to whether he was happy about that change or not. So on November 15, 2017, Trevor was supposed to show up for physical training, but he was absent. A fellow soldier, Gage Gonzalez, went to Trevor's apartment, but he wasn't there. However, both his military and civilian IDs and his phone were found. Through the use of Trevor's bank records, military MPs were able to determine Trevor was in Pulaski, New York, 47 miles away. At that point, the military placed the deserter tag on Trevor, but they did not pursue him. But Trevor's fellow soldiers didn't give up. Accounts differ, but on November 17th, they tracked Trevor to the Amtrak station in Syracuse, where they allegedly saw him get on a train headed toward Cleveland. He was never seen again. The plight of military veterans is a topic the public is only beginning to learn about. They disappear and commit suicide at a much higher rate than the rest of us. And there is actually a website, missingveterans.com. 
However, many questions still remain that make Trevor's case unique. Number one, how exactly did those fellow soldiers track Trevor down without him having his phone? Number two, why didn't the MPs bring Trevor back to the base if they knew where he was? And number three, why would Trevor go AWOL when he had just re-upped for five more years in the Army not long before he disappeared? Trevor's family holds out hope that he is still alive and that Trevor simply decided to leave his life. They want him to know that they would love to hear from him and hear that he is okay. The guest for this episode is Trevor's mother, Aaron Nichols. Unfound News By the time you're listening to this, I'm in Orlando, Florida, getting ready for the Southeastern Amateur Disc Golf Championships. I am there with my good friend, Trevor, who runs his own disc golf store. I hope I play well, and I hope the yips stay away. What are the yips? I suggest you look them up. I'll be here till Monday. Next, I'm not sure if there will be a YouTube live show this coming Wednesday, September 4th. As of this recording, I've still not decided when I'm driving to Pennsylvania to then prepare for the fishing trip to Canada. I will let everyone know probably next Tuesday, September 3rd. Whatever the case, next Friday will be the third anniversary episode. Finally, regarding Canada, and yes, I know I've been talking about it for a couple weeks, this will be the first time I will have left the country since starting Unfound. I will not have cell phone service there, and where we're staying, I will only be able to access the internet through Wi-Fi. If service is good enough, I'd love to do a live show from there. I'm not guaranteeing anything, though. However, I will say for sure that on September 13th, the third update episode will play. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and Facebook. On Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on YouTube for the Unfound live show. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. You can also contribute at PayPal, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. That is also the email address. Merchandise, the books on amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Do not forget the reviews. Shirts at unfound-podcast.myshopify.com. Poker playing cards at makeplayingcards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfound podcast. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the mother of Trevor Nichols, Erin Nichols. Erin, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. And thank you for being interested in picking up my son's case. You're very welcome. Let's start here. Let's talk a little bit about Trevor. Tell the listeners what kind of kid he was. I have learned that you had quite a few children. And how did he factor into uh, the family household? Trevor was our baby. Um, we had three children by birth and three that called weren't really adopted, but they called us mom. They lived with us on and off. Um, they came to us mainly in their later years, um, but still, they you know, they called us mom. Um, so he was our baby. He was always more of a loner when he was younger, um, but he loved the outdoors. Um, we did a lot of things with the kids on the weekends, and we would always go camping and hiking and, and loved adventures. Um, 
he was a very intelligent child. He was reading at a college level when he was like in the sixth grade. So hmm. he just, he, he was a little brainiac for us. Um, he was a good student, but not great. He just, more often than not, he did enough to to slide by. You know, he, he had B's and C's, not, you know, a straight A student, but but just very intelligent, very, um, mm-hmm. he, he seemed, um, he wasn't into sports. He really wasn't active in sports, but he did love photography. He did love, he was in a, um, like a home ec type class at school and they always did a lot of cooking and he's always been interested in cooking ever since he's been like nine years old. Um, hmm. So he, he enjoyed those type classes. He, he was, he loved his photography. He would, um, they get that from their mom. <laughs> oh, you're into um, that too. I didn't know that. Oh okay. yes, Okay. Yes, very much. So, and, and my um, other son, Travis, he is really into photography now too. So yes, the boys definitely got their shutter bug from mom. Okay. So. You must be very proud. Okay. So he, he's your youngest. He has some older brothers. And then, like you said, you had some other children who came into your house uh, that were not biologically your children. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And Trevor kind of, um, average, maybe a little above average student, even though he had a lot of brains, maybe had a little problem applying himself into photography. Yes. And what was his personality like? Um, he, like I said, he was more like a loner. He, he did pretty much stick to himself, but he mm-hmm. was always very confident in, you know, what he wanted, he knew what he wanted. He knew to go for it. Um, he was in special ed classes when he was younger, and it was more so because of behavioral than it was any type of delay. And mm. that's just it. Once he realized that he could apply himself and be into the mainstream classes, he did great. He, he, that's where he wanted to be. And he was with the other students and mm-hmm. he, he knew that, you know, what he wanted, he, he would go for a lot of friends. Not really. He had his best friend was Will Shriver. Um, I, I could think of his other friends, you know, Glenn and, and, oh, if I start naming names, I know I'm going to forget some. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler was one of his good friends, and and but he he so he was social, but not you know he had friends for support, but he wasn't the type to like go hang out with friends all weekend. He would go to Shriver's. Mm-hmm. He he would go. We call, call it House Shriver, um, and he went and spent a lot of time with Will and their family, and he was kind of like their extra son. Hmm. Um, so he was very close to that family, but um, he had friends, but not an overabundance. He, he was liked, he, he, but just not real close to a lot of people. Okay. Now he gets uh, into high school and did he have any higher education on top of high school? And, and before he went into the military, maybe did he get a job and because being in the military is going to play a prominent role uh, in talking about his disappearance. But before he went into the military, um, did he do anything else? Did he get a job? What did he do after high school? 
after high school, he did stay home with us for like a year, and he did do prep to get in, get ready for basic training. Um, he was he had already signed his commitment papers, and he signed those when he was still in high school. He graduated in May of 2011, um, and he did his prep for a year. Um, but he stayed at home and he didn't really work. Um, he didn't even drive until he was like a couple weeks before he went to basic. So he didn't drive um, a car until he was 19 years old. Uh, he was 18. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right, that's uh, interesting. That was certainly unlike me, who was uh, driving right after he turned sixteen. Okay, so that's a little bit different there. All right, so you, and I've been told you told me that um, the military is um, prevalent in your family. You're a military family, yes. And do you think that factored Very into? Him, so. Did you think that that factored factored into him making that decision? I'm sure it did. His grandparents were in the military. His great-grandparents were in the military. His his great-uncles, I mean, very strong military family. His dad is an Army veteran. His older brother, Travis, is now a staff sergeant in the Marines. And um, his best friend, Tim, one of his best friends, Tim, um, he was is in the Navy. So um, military is, has just been very strong, and he didn't follow his brother's footsteps in the Marines. He decided to go into the Army and follow in his father's footsteps. Okay, I bet his father was proud of that. Yes, very. Okay. And, okay, and so when he went into the military, how did he go in, and what, he wanted, what, he, what did he want to do in, in the military? Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, and where was he first assigned? His Trevor went in, and he his first goal he wanted to do airborne. Um, he wanted to be a cook in the airborne. Like I mentioned before, he mm -hmm. he's always loved cooking. He started mm -hmm. cooking when he was like nine years old. Hmm. Could throw dishes together and just make wonderful creations. So he continued in that. He wanted to be a cook. So he entered and was going to be in the airborne as a cook. Well, his very first jump in air training, he injured his hip. It was not bad, but it was enough that it set him back and he didn't get to finish airborne. So then he ended up being um, assigned just a regular um, position in the um, 10th Army unit up at Fort Drum, New York. And okay. that's where he has been stationed for the next five years. Okay. So he goes in there, uh, wants to, I guess, air, airborne is jumping out of plane. Something happens on that first jump, uh, injures his hip, and so he has to change direction. How do you think he handled that? Um, did he give up on that, or did he eventually want to try to work his way back in there? Actually, he would love to try to get back into it. Um, it's okay. not paratrooper, but, oh, what is, mm. I, for the life of me, I cannot mm. think, were they catapulted out of the, the, the helicopters. He tried to get into that. Ranger? Only, no, no that's okay. what he would have been. That's what he okay. would have been if he did, went on and did air, the Airborne. Okay. But this is another 
air air fleet service and and i for the life of me i can't think right at the moment but um okay he wanted to get into that um air assault that's what it is okay there you go okay yeah air assault okay and he didn't get accepted but he was going to try again um, because he really wanted to do something. It's not quite special services, but it's a special division. So. Okay. Okay. So he's uh, had to kind of put um, his aspirations for that on hold. Uh, he's cooking in the army, uh, which means he has the opposite talents of that I do. All I do is eat. And um, <laughs> so he's doing that. And But he did have two tours of duty. Uh, one. Yeah. What I would call very early in his military career, and then one later, they were not like stacked on top of each other. Maybe you can talk a little right. bit about both of those. His first tour was just a year after he went in. It was in 2013, and he ended up going to Afghanistan. Um, his second tour was in the fall of 2015, and he went to Iraq. Okay. I, I'm guessing as your as his mother, you were somewhat nervous about that the whole time, both times. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. It helped that I had already had his oldest son, his oldest son, his oldest older brother mm-hmm. Travis had already mm-hmm. been deployed to Afghanistan, like just a couple months before him. So. I at least had been through it once before and I kind of understood what was coming, but we sent him many messages, um, lots of care packages, a lot of communication during that time, just, you know, keeping tabs on him and, and knowing how he was doing. Okay. The only problem with Trevor is he, he would always tell us a little bit about things and not everything that was going on. He had a, a very scary event, and I didn't find out about it until probably two months after he'd been back home. Um, Why don't you tell? A, one, yeah, please tell the listeners about that. He had a mortar shell. Um, when you're in the army, and especially when you're deployed, you have to do whatever job is required. Um, so even though he was a cook, he still had to do um, guard duty. So he was out one night doing guard duty, and a mortar shell fell within 10 feet of where he was standing. And I just praise the Lord that it was a dud um, because if that mortar shell had gone off, there would have been serious or possibly even mortal injury. Yeah, of course. Of course. And do you think that that affected him some way, that happening the first time? I I know it did because he, he didn't talk about it much when he came back. And finally, when I got him to open up a little bit about it, he he would talk about, oh, you wouldn't believe the heck I've seen. You know, it just, mm-hmm. you could tell that he kind of had those moments where his life kind of flashed before his eyes. Okay. All right. So we'll come back to the deployments here in a moment. Now, we also have to talk about uh, the relationship uh, that he was in, the marriage that he was in. How did he meet his future wife, Carla? Carla and Trevor met, and I believe they were in the 10th grade when they met, but they didn't start dating until their senior year. Um, they went to the prom together. They, um, She used to spend quite a bit of time with us, especially when he went off to basic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she would come over and, and spend 
spend weekends with us and um you know they they were you know high school sweethearts so okay so they met in high school and uh they were high school sweethearts and they ended up getting married when they were married december 7th of 2014. okay and so one of his deployments the first one was before he was married of course, they were still a couple. Yes. And then one of the deployments was after he was married sometime yes. uh, in 2015 to going into 2016. Now, they also have a son. And what can you tell the listeners about when he was born and anything you want to about that? Okay. Trevor was deployed, and it was around September of 2015. So at that time, Carla came home to live with her mom and dad so that she could, um, you know, just have somebody with her while she was pregnant and going through all of that with Trevor so far away. Um, so she came back here to Springfield, Ohio, and stayed with her mom and dad while he was in Iraq. Um, Lucas was born March 31st of 2016, and okay. Trevor was still deployed. So he missed it. So, yes, okay. they even tried to FaceTime, and the connection just wasn't good, and he, he missed it all. But okay. my husband and I were right there for the birth. So. Okay. So when he came back from that deployment, I guess it must have been sometime in April 2016 or maybe even May of 2016. So he came back to the United States roughly a year and a half before he disappeared, roughly. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so he comes back, he has this new son, and he's married, and these deployments, and I, I'm guessing this may be the second time around the deployment, nothing like what happened the first time happened, at least to your knowledge? Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So he was one time in Iraq, one time in Afghanistan, and I'm sure he did see some things that uh, the rest of us, um, you know, only happen probably in our nightmares. So he right. comes back in uh, to Fort Drum, but something happens in the meantime that um, his wife and he are kind of on the outs. Maybe you need to explain that. Well, in um, 2017, in the spring, he was given a three-month assignment to West Point, and, which he just loved. Um, he loved the area. He loved the assignment. He was basically almost in charge of the kitchen, and he just really enjoyed that assignment. Um, but again, while he was gone, Carla didn't want to be alone, and she came back here to Ohio to stay with her parents. So Lucas spent his birthday here, and then um, when Trevor finally had a short break in the end of August, August 25th of 2017, we went up to New York to get him to bring him home. And he made the trip to Ohio with the main purpose to bring Carla and Lucas back home to New York with him. However, when one morning when he went over to talk to Carla, she gave him the news that she did not want to return to New York, that she wanted a divorce. Trevor was quite upset by that news, and in fact, he wrecked our Jeep that very day because oh he was so distraught, thinking about, you know, 
everything everything that was going on and he missed a red light and was in an accident. Mm-hmm. And the listeners should know I've had a chance to talk to Carla and I will talk about at least briefly about our conversation after this interview. But in talking to Carla, she said one of the, the major issues was Trevor's drinking. Uh, is that something that you knew about? Had you heard about it? Um, what, what did you know about that? I really didn't know too much because, like I said, Trevor became an adult when he went to the Army. And he was kind of like, you know, I'm the man now. I'll take care of things. So he, he would tell me bits and pieces, but not really... You know, I was no longer the confidant as far as, you know, oh, mom, I'm having trouble with this. But I mainly heard it from Carla that they were Mm -hmm. beginning to argue that he was out drinking with his buddies a lot more than what he should have been. Um, But I never really heard this from him. It it was, you know, what I was Mm -hmm. hearing from her. Sure. um, Yeah. Sure. Okay. And when he was home that time, when she did tell him about the divorce and he did wreck your Jeep, uh, during that time that he was back in Ohio, did you notice any big changes in him um, from what we might call old Trevor to new Trevor? Did you notice any changes in his personality? Um, He didn't drink more when he was here at the house. We did have a party one night, so of course you're going to drink at a party. Mm -hmm. Um, And one night he went to his best friend Will's, and, you know, I know they drank that night. But other than that, he he didn't drink any more than, you know, before. Yeah, I think it was Mm -hmm. only those two nights, maybe Mm -hmm. three. Okay. Um, You know, out of of a week and a half. Um, Now, behavior-wise, it's... The only thing I noticed is he seemed more upset, but she had just told him she wanted a divorce, and that totally threw him for a loop. He, he, I've even got messages from him to her that I've gotten a hold of, and he, he said, so that's it? We're done? We're not going to work this out? You know, he, he was just flabbergasted. He, mm-hmm. I think it blindsided him. Okay. I guess what I'm asking also is that the reason he wrecked his that your Jeep is not because he was drinking and driving. It, it was just him. Oh, just, no, no. Yeah, he was okay. upset over the, he was emotionally upset over the, you know, the, the mm-hmm. impending divorce. He, 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 that just took him, like I said, it blindsided him. He, he, you know, came to Ohio to take her, her and the baby home. And she said, no, I'm not going home. I want a divorce. And he was just, mm-hmm. he was really upset over that. Were you surprised by that? Yes, I was. Okay. All right. So eventually he has to go back to New York and he does. And, and in your opinion, you know, between August of 2017 to his disappearance, how do you think that he handled that time being up there by himself? Well, he knew that he was getting ready to be transferred to Fort Riley, Kansas. And he told me several times how he was frustrated because, you know, now Carla's in Ohio. He was at Fort Drum, which is like a 10-hour drive. And now he was going to be in Fort Riley, Kansas, which is like a 12 to 13-hour drive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so he said, I'm, you know, 
200 miles further away from my son in the opposite direction. He said, you know, I, I just feel like I'm not going to be part of Trevor's life he or Lucas's life. Mm-hmm. And he just was very frustrated with that. Okay. And this is something maybe people need to know. The army tells you that's where you got to go. That's where you got to go. That's where you got to go. You no, know, it's not he like they gave him, like, a, please. He even tried to get a transfer to, like, um, down in Kentucky to be closer mm-hmm. to home mm-hmm. and just couldn't get it. So, you know, he knew he was that far away from home and just he was frustrated. His his five-year career, he had been at Fort Drum. He knew the people there. He knew his comrades, and, and he was comfortable there. And all of a sudden, he's being transferred that far away and not only did he have to start all over with his military career but now his life because he went without his son and his wife right do you in talking to him between august and and november do you think that he was hoping to maybe patch things up with carla and maybe not allow this to happen or or what um it just didn't seem like it was going anywhere. He he, he would okay. try to talk to her, and it's like all they would do is argue. Okay. Um, you know, it, it was just, it was really hard. I, I, I like Carla. I'm trying to keep the path of communication open with sure. her. Um, but there was just a lot of bitterness between the two. And she would always tell me, Aaron, there's a reason we're not together. And mm-hmm. it's like, I get that, but it just seemed like neither one of them was, was budging on, on trying to work past their, their differences at that point. Right. Well, she, in talking to Carla, she said uh, many of the same things that, uh, he had changed and that it was, it was not, he was not the same guy that she met in high school when they were, you know, high school sweethearts. That he had definitely changed, right. and that had really uh, put uh, put um, you know damper on uh, their relationship, on their marriage, and I'm sure you know being away, you know him being away for nine months and then being away for three months, um, that can't be easy uh, either. On top of everything right. else, yeah, definitely, yeah. So, so he finds out that he has to go to Fort Riley. So, does he end up packing up his stuff and shipping it there? What? How does he prepare? to go from New York to Kansas. Okay. So all of his things he had packed up and all his personal items had already been shipped to Fort Riley, Kansas. Um, it, it took me a while to figure all of that out mm-hmm. after everything happened, but I eventually found out that all his things were pre-shipped to Fort Riley, Kansas. So then when is that if I may if I may just jump in here for a second, is that something he would do on his own? So once he gets back to New York from Ohio, he finds out he's going to Kansas. So it would be up to him to arrange all of his stuff to be shipped there. They have like a like a transportation service. Okay. so that is done, you know, within the army. Okay. all he had to do is coordinate with the transportation service. Okay. Um, and and yeah, what he was, and what date was he due to be in Kansas? Not until December 8th, 2017. Oh. All right. So a long way off from August and even a long way off from the the day that he disappeared that we're going to get to um in in a moment. So I guess what we're saying is of course I've read a lot about 
Trevor's disappearance, and you are echoing, echoing what these articles have said, that he wasn't too thrilled about going from New York to Kansas for the reasons that you've already right. stated. Already stated. Right. Okay, and, and Carla said uh, the exact same thing. Um, so let's even move up. So he's up there in New York. Uh, of course, Carla's not with him. His son's not with him, but he's going to have to move. Can't do anything more um, about that. But somewhere in there, he, or even before that, he had decided to um, re-up for a few more years. Were you surprised by that? Not really, because his brother is lifetime career Marine. His, his One of his good friends, Tim, is lifetime in the Navy. Um, you know, his dad did six years, so I really wasn't surprised that, plus there was security there, you know, security in the job, and, you know, he knew he'd have a steady income to support Lucas and Carla, and, you know, so I wasn't surprised that, and he seemed to enjoy his, his career in the military. Okay, even though when he went in, he didn't get to do exactly what he wanted to do, of course, because of that injury. And how long with re-upping uh, would he have been in the military? How many more years? I believe at least three more. Um, okay. But at the time that he disappeared, he was talking about going back to school, getting mm -hmm. his actual degree in culinary arts, and therefore work towards a promotion. So okay. he was, you know... And, okay. and like I mentioned before about the aerosol, he still kind of had that as a dream that he wanted to try for that again. Okay. So being that the, your family uh, has a lot of history in the military, not totally surprising that he re-upped for additional three years, which would have taken him into the year uh, 2020. Something else that we need to talk about is his car. He had some car issues. We already know that he wrecked your Jeep, but you've told me that he had some sort of issue that happened on the base up there in New York with his car. Um, uh, how, and I never how, did really have... Please. Yeah, please. I never really did have details, so I'm not exactly sure what the accident was, but I just know that he told me that he was not allowed to drive on base, that he had been involved in an accident, which I'm assuming was his fault, and therefore he his driving privileges had been suspended. So if he so, so he lived on the base, he lived on the base. Yes, he had he had an apartment on base with him and Carla and Lucas. Okay, so if he wanted to go somewhere, what did he have to do? He had to park his car, or he had to walk, I guess. He had to walk almost everywhere. Yes. Okay. Which got really, you know, that was a hindrance when he had, you know, Carla mm. and Lucas to to get to appointments and what have you. Once, you know, mm. they were supposed to come home. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So if, if I may ask, if he is in Ohio in August, how did he get back to New York? We drove him. You drove him. Okay. So yeah. he didn't take the train. We he didn't fly. Him. Nothing like that. No. He didn't drive himself. No. Okay. We, we went up to get him and we took him back. Okay. So he has this car that, and you've also made it sound besides him, maybe not being the greatest of drivers, that there was something wrong with the car. Yes, there was was some mechanical issues. Okay. At, at the time of his disappearance, they couldn't even get it started. Okay, and so is it your impression then that the car was not going to be going with him to Kansas? Right, right. Okay. Um, he really never told me exactly what he was doing with it, 
but I assumed that he was just giving it to a friend or something and seeing if they could get it running. Okay. And uh, one more thing before we get into the actual dates and these things that happened before he disappeared. Uh, what was his financial situation? Of course, his wife's not living with him anymore. His son's back in Ohio. Um, and they were doing something to his military paychecks, correct? Taking money out? Yes, he was good. He was having a stipend taken out to help support her, and he was paying child support. Okay. So that had to be a, a little difficult on top of everything else. He had a lot of things going on, I guess, in later yeah, uh, 2017. Did. He did. Yeah, he did. And how often would you talk to him on the phone uh, between August and when he disappeared? And what were usually the contents of those conversations, if you can say? Uh, usually we would talk once every two weeks, I would imagine. Um, not real often, but often enough to stay in touch. And, and of course, you would have your idle chit-chat, you know, what's that up to? You know, what's everybody doing? How How is everyone? And, and um, then, of course, we would get into, we knew his transfer was coming up and, and the fact that he was frustrated. And, you know, we would, we would just, um, you know, try to stay in touch. Okay. So let's move up to November 14th, 2017. You actually got to talk to him that day. And what was the con what was he doing that day and what was the content of your conversation? So he calls me later in the afternoon and he said, Mom, I'm just really frustrated. I'm trying to get carless things moved into storage. I've got some help, but he said, I just don't think I'm gonna get finished and I may not be able to come home before I transferred to Fort Riley. Um, I even at that point suggested maybe putting some of Lucas's things. Um, it was a lot of his baby things, which of course he had outgrown. And mm -hmm. I, I even suggested giving those things to like a thrift store or something because of the high turnover up on the base. I said, I'm sure somebody could use those baby items. Um, and then we kind of ended the conversation as you know, I know you've got a lot to do. I know you're getting ready for this transfer, but I really hope you can make it home, you know, to at least, mm -hmm. you know, stop stop by on your way through. And it, it was a normal conversation except for the frustration in, you know, trying to get all of her things moved so he could get that ready for inspection. And did you find it weird being that he didn't have to be in Kansas to December 8th, that on November 14th, he's saying, you know what, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to Ohio. Did that seem strange to you? Because that was, you know, three weeks. I yeah. Mean, yes. I just didn't understand why he felt so much pressure that he wouldn't be able to, you know, come visit even, you know, a couple of days on a, in a layover. It, it wasn't making sense, but. Yeah, uh -huh. and like I said, he was inclined to, to share some things, but not go into a lot of detail. Okay. And I also have to ask, being that Carla and Lucas were in Ohio, and he's packing their stuff away in New York, I mean, why wasn't it just being shipped? I mean, they weren't going to be going to New York anytime soon, being that he was going to Kansas. Why weren't these things being just shipped right back to Ohio? Do you know? Uh all I do know is that he he was supposed to work with the transportation company to try to get her things shipped home. And mm -hmm. something about he didn't sign paperwork in time or there was some issue with getting 
everything signed and, and completed on time. And that was part of the issue too, because, you know, he just, he, he's a procrastinator, you know, leaving things to the last minute. And then, you know, he's realizing he's in a crunch for time and he didn't get it done. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, Carla had told me about that. She did say that there, that there, there was some confusion there as to why, her stuff and Lucas's stuff just wasn't being shipped back to Ohio and why he was putting it away in New York. Um, and I, right. I guess that's something that's still not resolved to this day. In fact, my understanding is that stuff is still in New York. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yes. And wow. I have started a GoFundMe because that's one of the things that I want to do is to try to get up to New York yeah. so that I can go through that just to see, you know, that is one of the last places he was seen alive. Did he did he leave us any clues in there anywhere where, you know. All right. All right. Good so. point. Excellent point. Now, I, I do not believe that his, this guy's name came up that day, November 14th, but you have learned that. Uh, that uh, Trevor was getting some help, and this guy's name is Gage Gonzalez. We're going to talk about him in a second, but had you ever heard of his name before, ever? No, I had never heard Gage's name until he contacted me the morning of the 15th. Okay. All Trevor told me was that he had some help from a couple of the guys on base, but he didn't, didn't tell me who. Okay, we'll come back to that in a second. As far as November 14th, you talked to him that day. To this day, we're yeah. doing this uh, interview on very late August 26, 2019. Um, anybody else that you've ever found out who has texted or talked to, to Trevor on November 14th, 2017? Not that I know of. He, and okay. he talked to me. It was a joint call with my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But other than that, no, I don't know that he talked to his brother or anything. So Okay. All right, let's move to the next day. Uh, what do you remember uh, about November 15th, 2017? No, on November 15th, Wednesday morning, I get a text or a messenger message from the Gage Gonzalez. And like I just said, I, I had never heard of Gage before, but his opening line was, hey, I'm a friend of Trevor's. And so I opened the message and he said, have you talked to Trevor today? And I'm saying, well, not today. I just talked to him last night. And he said, no, today he didn't show up for drill this morning. So he, could, he and I chat back and forth for probably a good half hour. And throughout that conversation, he's telling me that Trevor didn't show up for drill. He went to the apartment to try to, you know, see where Trevor was. The door was locked. He called the MPs to go in and do a safety check on Trevor. And they did not find Trevor, but they found his military ID, his driver's license, and his cell phone left behind. Hmm. But no sign of Trevor. And my understanding is all of that was not in one message. You found out this over maybe the course of that day, maybe? or It was probably probably within a half hour. Um, okay. You know, we, he sent the first message and then we were chatting back and forth mm-hmm. and that shared all that information. Okay. Did, they, did he uh, gauge? Uh, I'm wondering, I guess that you didn't know him. You weren't friends on Messenger. And I realize how messenger works that you don't get sometimes 
realize that you get message from people who aren't your friends on there, but I guess somehow you did. It just you just happened to notice it or something. I am very active on Facebook because I run a group for chronic conditions. So mm-hmm. mine, mine is set up so that, you know, if I get a oh. message from somebody that I don't, I'm not friends with, it still mm-hmm. gives me an alert. Okay. So, um, That's because that happens a lot with members of the group. Okay. So it doesn't pop up like a normal message, but I, I still pop into my messages and it shows up at the very top. So I saw his, luckily, right away that morning. Okay. So you wake up to this message and over, like you said, he tells you about this. You get to talk to Gage on the phone. Did he also give the impression that they looked for Trevor around the base? Like the infirmary, other places that he might be maybe sick, maybe got hurt somehow and just couldn't make it to what he had to do that morning. Did they look all around? I'm... I'm really not sure about that. I, I know they said that they went to his his you know, his apartment, but I don't mm-hmm. know what other what else the search did entail. Okay. Um I do know that once the MPs were involved, then it was an open investigation with the CID unit, which is the, the investigative unit of the mm-hmm. Army branch. And it was an open case to see if there was any foul play. Um, they did tell me there did not seem to be any sign of conflict in the apartment. And then they just kept an eye out um, from there investigating, you know, like activity on his debit card and, and different things to try to see, you know, where that led to see, see if they could find him. When but Gage... I did not know about physical search. Okay. When Gage... Um, contacted you, and of course, going throughout the day of November 15th, 2017, what are you thinking? At first, my thought was he was just out taking a walk. He was very good about when something was bothering him and he needed to clear his head. The best thing was for him to just go take a walk. So I'm thinking, okay, there's a beautiful nature reserve right up there on base. I said, he's just out there kicking up his heels and, and you know, chilling with, with in nature. And that seemed to relax him the best. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I thought happened. And I mentioned that to Gage and I mentioned that to Captain Swafford when he called me to tell me, which I think wasn't until the next day, okay. um, the 16th, that, that Trevor was missing. Okay. So off the top of your head, that's what you thought. You didn't think that he had run off or whatever the, the term is, was a deserter, gone AWOL. Those things um, were not no. in your were not in your head at all. I'll know. No, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't see him as being the one to, to give up and, and do anything like that. You right. know, right. He, okay. he seemed to like what he was doing. Okay. And would you say on November 15th from the morning until the night, uh, it was Gage that was keeping you informed as to what was going on? Yes. Gage and I had exchanged phone numbers. We had texts and talked several times throughout that day. Okay. You know, like I would text him any word. Have you seen him? Have you heard from him? And then he would, he would do the same with me a couple hours later. Have you heard from him? Any, any calls, anything. And I, we would keep getting on like um, Facebook messenger and messaging Trevor. It's like, mm-hmm. of course I knew they said his phone was left in the apartment. So I knew it was useless trying to call his phone. Right. right. So. 
Okay. Did you ever at any time say to Gage, you know, I've ever heard you before. Uh, uh, how do you know, Trevor? Are you, I don't know if it's a company or a unit. I don't know what they call these things. Um, was he in the same position that Trevor did Gage ever explain any of that to you uh, during this time? No, not really. And God honest, I don't think I even thought to ask, you know, he just said he was a buddy of Trevor's and, for my mind, that was good enough at the time. Yeah. Okay. Did any other names besides Gage's come up in that discussion uh, that day? That there were maybe being that at some point you found out Gage was helping him the day before. Were there other other soldiers helping Trevor, or was it just Gage who was um, dealing with all of this that day? As far as friends of Trevor goes. I never did hear other names mentioned. You know, okay. I know Trevor told me a couple of the buddies from base are helping me, but the night that I talked to Trevor, no names were mentioned, and I don't remember Gage ever mentioning any other names either. Okay. So we moved to November 16th. He's not found on November 15th. November 16th, uh, what goes on? Are you in contact then with the... MPs are trying to figure out uh, what went on, and do you continue to talk to Gage? What goes on the next day? So finally, um, and I'm sorry, I can't remember timeline exactly, but sometime okay. during the 16th, I finally got a call from Captain Stephen Swafford, who was Trevor CO, commanding officer. And he called me and did let me know that Trevor had been missing and that he didn't show up for drill and told me again that the phone and the IDs were left behind and that it was an open investigation and they were doing their best to try to find him. Um, we were, or I was, still in contact with Gage either through text or messenger, a um, couple phone calls going back and forth throughout the day. You know, just, again, have you heard from him, anything new, um, just things like that. Mm-hmm. And that was about all that happened on my end on the 16th. Mm-hmm. Um, come to find out later, um, P- this didn't please. come out for, for Please find months. out what else they found out on the 16th. Please tell the listeners, yes. Then on later it came out that the CID, which was doing the investigative unit, they found out that there was activity on Trevor's debit card. And they went back. Of course, this is after um, they found video of Trevor at a um, Burger King when they saw the activation of his debit card purchasing the meal. Mm-hmm. And they did confirm that Trevor was at this Burger King in Pulaski, New York. So 40-some miles away, he's there the next day on the 16th. So while you're talking to Gage and uh, that person in the Army is talking to you, there's Trevor 40-some miles away at a Burger King eating. But you didn't, once again, you didn't right. find out this out till later. But while this was all going on, he's out there by himself. And the the MPs, this investigative unit, were able to find that out by checking his records. His bank records. Right. Okay. Okay. But once again, on November 16th, you didn't find that out. When did you find that out? When did they tell you that? Oh, wow. I don't think I knew that till the spring. Wow. Not until 2018. You didn't find that out. 
2019. 19, this spring of this year. Yes, this Oh my this gosh, year. I, don't, I didn't this write that spring. down in my notes. Yes. Okay, wow, okay. Well, we, we definitely have to talk about that That when the when the time comes. Okay, so they're still looking for him. Um, and uh, you, of course, once again, don't know what's going on, and you're still talking to Gage. They're trying to, um, you know, they figured out that he was in this other... Uh, town, like I said, 40-some miles away. Remember, he couldn't have driven there because of his car. So we're not even sure how he got there, but they eventually did have a video that shows it was him. It was not somebody using um, Trevor's uh, or, uh, credit card to eat there. So we go to November 17th, and this is when things um, get a little more complicated, I would say. Um, what do you remember about November 17th? So throughout the day on the 17th, there was nothing really new. Then towards evening, Carla sends me a message and says, do you have family in Pulaski? And she said the MPs told her that the credit card was used to Pulaski. Okay. And at that point, I let Gage know. Gage tells me that he and a couple buddies, and again, I don't know names, okay. um, went to Belosky. They found Trevor, but they could not convince him to talk to me. They could not convince him to go back to base. And they said they were calling Captain Swafford. Then maybe two hours later, I get a call from Gage again. And he said, Trevor won't talk to you. He, he won't go back to base, but he just got on a train and he's leaving New York. Okay, so let's break this down a, a little bit. So what we are to believe is that Gage somehow found out that the credit card information was in Pulaski. Any idea how he would even find that out and why anybody would even tell him that? I told him that. You told him that. Okay, you told him that. I, t I, I told okay. Gage, yes. Okay, I told so. Gage, that's when he he said he was going to go look for Trevor. Okay. And he said he and a couple buddies went to go look for Trevor. All right, and, and so when he, I guess he did find him, that's what we're to believe. Did he ever say where he found Trevor? Was he on the street? Was he at that Burger King? Did he ever say? He He didn't say. He didn't say. He did okay. say that he found him, but he said he won't talk to you, and he won't, you know, he won't go back to base. Those were the two things he said. He won't talk to you. He doesn't want to talk to you, and that alone just just fried my mind. I thought, you know, Trevor and I have always been fairly close. I mm -hmm. didn't understand why he wouldn't at least, you know, he had to know that I was worried out of my mind. Why he wouldn't at least let me hear his voice and let me know he was okay. So we are to believe that Gage is talking to you and Trevor could have been standing right beside him and he's saying that Trevor doesn't want to talk to you. It could have been that. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. And at that point, did Gage say, well, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it or anything. Or how did that, that first conversation when he did find Trevor, um, how did it end? The first conversation, that's when he said he was going to call – that's when he said he was going to call um, Captain Swafford. Okay. And that's when he and I disconnected because he was going to call Captain Swafford and, and 
you know, try to see if, if Captain could talk him into going back to base. Okay. And I didn't get a call back from Captain Swafford until I do believe the second call from Gage where he said Trevor left New York. And when Gage said that to you, uh, did you get the opinion that he tried to keep Trevor? Because, I mean, of course, Gage is knowing that that Trevor does not have permission to leave yet. Right. Um, did Gage ever say, you know... He said he was trying to convince him to go back to base, that, that mm-hmm. you know, he said he was trying to make him go back and, and that they just couldn't talk him into going back to base is what he kept telling me. Well, did Gage ever explain how Trevor got to the train station in the first place? Because the train station no, isn't, isn't in Pulaski, it's in Syracuse. And there's no it's way. Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. And there's no way that Trevor well, could have walked from Pulaski, you know, from Pulaski to Syracuse in those two hours. Very true. But, and that's where the story starts getting very convoluted. Okay, all right. And, and the, the, I don't know whether, yeah. I don't know whether it was because Gage didn't want to admit that he helped Trevor because then he would mm-hmm. be aiding and embedding somebody to go AWOL and that could get him in a lot of trouble. Um, I, I really don't know why he just wasn't straightforward from then on out. Um, but he would say, you know, he, one story was that he found Trevor at the train station. Yeah, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. Well, oh, yeah, we're going to get into that. That's that's fine. Uh, this whole time, is Carla also being kept uh, apprised of what's going on? I, I realize that you're not actually with her in like the same room, but is he contacting her telling Carla what also is going on? Is Is Carla involved in this as well? Even though he, she, and I, Trevor I, are on the outs, I she is technically next of kin, being the wife. So mm-hmm. she was the one that was being contacted by the military police and Captain Swafford, and and all the officials are actually talking to her. They didn't contact me until late on the sixteenth. So okay. the, the officials have more contact with Carla. Than mm-hmm. they did with me. Right. Um, Carla actually wasn't even the one to tell me that Trevor was missing at all. You know, like I said, I mm. I got the information from Gage and then Captain Swafford before Carly even called me and said, "Oh, this is the one on." Okay. All right. So we have a lot going on here, and so when Gage tells you that Trevor got on this train, did he say that it was headed toward Cleveland? Did he specifically that's say that? Story, that? That's where the story again gets very convoluted because. Well, just tell me what he told, said. Just tell me what he said that day. Just tell me what he said. That's all we're looking for right now. Did he say he, that he was going to Cleveland? He, Did he, he say he was going to New York? Did he say it was westbound, eastbound, northbound, southbound? He just said that he got on a train. He got on a train and was leaving New York, is what he said. That's that's how you remember it. Once again, we have to remember this that's was not even two years it. again. It's not 20 years ago. This is not even two years ago. Okay, that's how you remember it. So what then are you thinking? I really thought that Trevor was headed home. He has ridden on the train before. We have picked him up in Cleveland a couple times when he came in. And the train in, in Cleveland comes in at like, three, four o'clock in the morning. 
So I was assuming that 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, I was going to be getting a phone call from Trevor saying, hey, I'm in Cleveland. Can you pick me up? I really thought he was headed home. Okay. On the word of Gage, who said that Trevor got on a train. Okay. So what happens on November 18th? Of course, I stayed up all night. I almost went to New York, or almost went to New York. Gosh, listen to me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost went to Cleveland. You know, I was up all night. I kept thinking, okay, I'm just going to go up there and I'll be waiting when the train gets here. And when he walks off, you know, I'll, I'll get him. But it, I remember the weather wasn't the greatest. I had been up all night for two nights before this worrying about him. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to make the three-hour drive to Cleveland. So we just stayed home and waited and waited and waited and nothing. Never heard, you know, he never was on the train. I tried to um, call the train station. Of course, they wouldn't tell me if he was on the train or not. Um, Okay. I don't think I actually tried to call the police until like Monday. You're going to have to give Um, a date. So the 18th, that would have been like the 20th or something? 20th, I do believe. Okay. Now, on November 18th, did you talk to Gage at all? Did he call you? Did you call him? Did he message you on Facebook? Anything at all? Did he ever call you to say, hey, did Trevor get there? Or did you ever call him saying, hey, Gage, he's not here? Anything like that? I, I honestly don't think we did communicate that day. Okay. So nothing I, um, on the 18th. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to look back in my messages to see exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that we communicated on, this, on, on the 18th. Okay. All right. So he didn't bother to call, even though he said he got on a train. Gage, despite you being in contact with him on the 15th, on the 16th, and on the 17th. But on the 18th, you don't hear from him at all. I don't think so. Okay, you don't think so. That's fine. Okay, so so we go past the 18th. Obviously, Trevor does not get there. What happens the 19th, the 20th, the 21st? Uh, you said you went to the police on the 20th, but what else was going on in there? And, and were you talking to Carla uh, as well during this time? We would do occasional text back and forth with Carla, um, just saying, have you heard anything, any updates? You know, the, this is driving us crazy. What's going on? You know, we just couldn't believe that this was happening. Um, mm-hmm. I know I communicated again with Gage, but I honestly can't tell you what date. I'd have to look back on my um, messenger messages to, mm. you know, be accurate. And I apologize. I didn't That's fine. That written down. That's fine. Um, but would you say it was within a few days after the 17th, the yeah. last time you talked to him? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I would imagine that it was. Okay. Um, Did he sound then, like si- I said? Please. Um, he, we really didn't. It was on Messenger, I know, and he just said, "Have you heard from him?" And, and it was like, "No," and he said, "I haven't either." You know, and that was about all that came of that conversation. Then I remember it went for weeks before I talked to Gage again. So. Hmm. Okay. It, it was. It was several weeks, and then then it was like anything new. Have you heard anything? And and he's 
I do remember him saying in one of the messages, he said, I just wish I had stayed with him that night. I feel so guilty that I didn't stay. And I guess Gage had a PT test early on the 15th. And so he didn't stay to help Trevor finish up on the 14th. And he said, he told me, he said, if I had just stayed with him, maybe this wouldn't have happened. I remember that comment. Okay. We're going to come back to Gage, but you went to the, finally went to the police on the 20th. Um, Was there any um, kind of uniqueness to this because um, of Trevor being a military member and of course the MPs and the CID are already looking into this. Uh, did that um, cause any problems with you trying to file a missing police report uh, locally? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Okay. I actually called the police in New York because that's where it was missing from. So I called the Jefferson County, um, I believe it's Jefferson County, um, where Fort Drum, Watertown are located and talked to police detective McIntyre, I believe was his name. Um, and I talked to McIntyre and he told me, he said, I understand your feelings as a parent. He said, but this is a military matter. And, you know, he said, I'll, you know, kind of look into it, but basically the military will take care of this and wouldn't let me file a missing person report. Hmm. And is that the way it stayed till this day or not? No. Um, I know he did call me back. And okay. there again, that's where the story gets confusing because Gage had told Captain Swafford that Trevor had got on the westbound train and was heading like back to, you know, through Pennsylvania, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. To Cleveland, yeah. Sandusky. Yeah, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. The next stop would be Sandusky, then it goes on to Chicago. Um, so that's the train that he told Swafford that Trevor had gotten on. However, he told Detective McIntyre that Trevor got on the train headed east to New York City. However, when we did some investigation at that time of night, the only train that left was the one headed west. All right. Because it was like 10 o'clock at night. 10 o'clock at night, the only train that leaves at at, at that time of night is the train headed west. So there certainly is a lot of confusion here with Gage. It just seems whether it's the moment is too much for him or he's frazzled or there's something going on, it does seem that uh, he has a hard time keeping his story straight. At least that's the impression uh, I'm getting from this interview. And, um, of course, you and I have talked a few times before doing this interview, and that was the impression I got in prior conversations. But for the police, when was and when did they decide to take an actual missing persons report and what police department does have it on file now as of August 2019? So I live in Tremont City in Clark County, Ohio, and I am on council. So therefore, I know our police department and Mm -hmm. I had tried um, several times in New York to try to file the report was always told the same thing that, that it's a military matter and you know, they just wouldn't file. So eventually after he was missing 
it probably wasn't until December, later, even probably later in December. So because mm. they told me it had to be a month. He had to be classified a deserter before they would let us file the public report. So that would have been on December 16th, I believe, would have been 30 days. Okay. And and it was like a week or so later that I actually filed the report here in Tremont City, Ohio. Even though that's not where he was last seen, where Trevor was last seen, we don't even know if he was headed there, but that is the police department that eventually got it. Yes, because that's where I live. That's where you live. So, okay, and we we know that the military uh, was involved. Um, could it have been possible for you to file a missing persons report with the local police in the Fort Drum area, or in the Pulaski area, or in the Syracuse area? Do you know? But that is what I tried. Yeah, that is what I tried. I I mm. tried. To, that was the mm. the Detective mm. McIntyre was the one from New York, and mm. he w- would not file it. Okay, he kept telling me the military matter. And where you when you say from New York, could you be a little more specific? What jurisdiction? Um, he would be the sheriff. He was a sheriff detective. And it was for Jefferson County, which is where, where Fort, Fort Drum. Drum is. Okay, very good. Thank you for being uh, specific for that. Um, how concerned did the military seem about Trevor going missing, dispe- disappearing, deserting, whatever he seemingly did? Uh, how concerned were they? Unfortunately, not very. The, to them, he was just another AWOL soldier that they they didn't seem to have any compassion for it at all. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. to this date, they have been very little help. Um, it's like I said, I didn't find out about some of these reports of all the investigation that they did mm-hmm. until spring of this year. And that's because I had to use the freedom of information act and file for the reports from the CID. Well, good. I'm glad you mentioned that because we're going to talk about that right now. Let's talk about that. And let's start with being that you didn't know about some of these things until this year. Not Remember, this disappearance is going to be two years old uh, this year, later this year. And so you didn't find out till the spring of 2019. Uh, let's start with that video that we've already mentioned. You found out about it. Uh, what did you learn about it? Not a whole lot, just that they they did have a video clip of him at the Burger King in Pulaski, and that they said that they did confirm that it was him. And when was this video taken, to remind the listeners? It was taken on November 16th, okay. 2017, Okay, and the day he... after he disappeared from base. Okay, and have you ever seen that video? Have you ever asked... Since then, you since you found out about it, to to watch it, see it, anything. No, I have not because I honestly didn't know if they would send a video clip in the mail, and mm-hmm. I have not had the opportunity to go to New York yet. Okay, they couldn't just send it to you, FedEx or something, a copy. I and you have to realize it's not unusual for the police, regular police to not give out videos. There are many families that I've talked to that have never seen videos of their missing loved one. That's not unusual. 
I'm just saying in your case, you've just not seen it yet. Correct. Okay. And in whose possession is it in a military possession? Is that who has it? I do believe so, because it was this report from the CID, that investigative army unit that I did get that report from. Okay. What are some of the other things that when you did get the, this paperwork, doing a Freedom of Information Act request, a FOIA, what are some of the other things that you learned in that report that you did not know about until the spring of this year? Like that he had made um, cash withdrawals at ATMs um, a couple times. There was one in Watertown and then another one, I believe, in Pulaski, where he had taken money out of his, his account because he had just gotten paid that morning on the mm-hmm. 15th. Okay. So, Do you know how much money it was? Day. How much money? Um, I do not have that report in front of me, um, but I do believe it's in that report. Okay. And maybe I just it have to ask you this. Several hundred. Several? Okay. So at least three-digit uh, withdrawals. And maybe would you say that it would have been enough to buy a train ticket to go somewhere? Yes, because okay. a train ticket, if I remember, was only around $100. Okay. To go, if he was going from uh, Syracuse to Cleveland, a rough if, if, it would be about 100 bucks, which seems reasonable. Yeah. It sounds about right. Okay. Yes. So it's possible that he could have bought a train ticket. To go back to Gage's story, it's very possible that he could have bought – a ticket, maybe cash, a little surprising to me, but I don't know much about train travel. Anything else in that report besides the video and the ATM uh, withdrawals that was a surprise to you? That comes to um, mind? No, no. Okay. So there's certainly proof between the – and this is an ATM where he would have to use some sort of code, put in his card, and type in like one, two, three, four or something to get money. Right. Okay. Right. So, so who who else would know his pin except him? So it's reasonable to believe he did take that money out himself. And of course, he's on the video, so he is certainly around at least on the sixteenth. Um, yes. Let's move to this. That storage uh, unit from the fourteenth. Um, you know that he was packing stuff away that was Carla's and his son's, and we know to this day it's still in that storage unit. Um. When you finally found out about this, about all this, did it look like Trevor was done packing everything? Yes, because they said that there was very little left in the house. Okay. You know, like his all his personal belongings were gone. There was like hardly nothing left in the house. All that he really had to do at the apartment was finish cleaning, and he would have been ready for inspection. Okay. So I guess uh, what I'm saying, I'm trying to link these two things up. Here he is on the 14th telling you how busy he is and how hard it is to be putting all this stuff away. But when you finally do see what it was done. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. That has to be a big question mark in your mind even to this day. Yes. It is. Okay. So uh, to go back to that phone call, and I think that phone call is is very, very important. First, he's saying he doesn't know if he's going to have time to see all of you in Ohio, even though he doesn't have to be to Kansas until December. He also says that he doesn't think he's going to be able to pack all of this stuff away in enough time and everything. But once you do get to see what was done, it was done. 
Right. So there's just this, a couple conflicts there that I'm sure are going to stand out in people's minds, and it certainly paints his disappearance maybe you know in a, in a very strange light. So we have the bank records, um, just ATM purchases, no actual. Um, you know, if he was at this Burger King, I guess he was using cash. He wasn't using his credit card there. The, the way you no, understand. No, he did use his credit card oh, he because did, that's, that's how that's they good. found him. That's okay. how they found the video footage because he oh. used the credit card there. Very good. And any other purchases that you know about that were in those records? No. No. Okay. Nothing that uh, – but, but he got all that cash out. Maybe he just decided, well, I'm just going to use cash for now, and that's very, very possible. We just – once again, right. we just don't know. Now, here's uh, something else. Um, there. We've talked about it, and I just want to keep anybody else's names and other people who have worked with you out of this. I've tried to contact at least one person. That person never got back to me. But uh, there was allegedly – somebody said there was a video of Trevor at the Amtrak station. Do you know anything about this? Has the Army ever told you about this? The local police ever told you about this? Anything? No, I have never heard that from the police or anybody else except this other investigator said that he was told that there was a video of Trevor getting out of Gage's car at the Amtrak. However, mm -hmm. I've got no proof to back that up whatsoever. All right. So what you're saying is this other investigator who is not in a state government, this is the kind of a guy that's just doing it on his own. And having looked him up myself, this guy does not have a, a lot of experience in this area. But he told you that he heard that there is a video. He didn't actually see it himself. Correct. Okay. So it's just a rumor. It's hearsay. You know, right. you know, anytime a sentence starts, I heard that, that becomes hearsay. That's that's something that can't be confirmed. It would like I'd be nice, uh, be nice to know, um, who actually was able to see this video if it even exists. But nobody in the military has ever told you about it. No, because basically the CID once proved that Trevor was alive in Zalowski, and they said that he was there of his. Well, mm. they basically closed their investigation because at that point he was a wall. Okay. And so I'm, I'm also a little confused. Is It's not like anybody can just walk into a train station and get the video either. You'd probably, right. I'm not, I'm not saying you'd have to have a subpoena. I'm thinking that a train station, but it is federal property. So maybe they would. It's just not like myself, even with all my experience could just walk in and say, Hey, can I see the video from a certain day? That that probably would not happen. Right. So it, yep, it's a big. I couldn't even, as his mother, I couldn't mm. even get confirmation that he was on the plane, on the train. Right. And they would tell me nothing. I said it's not public record. That's right. So I I have a lot of doubts about this video. This seems like a a rumor to me. Um, and of course, there was nothing uh, mentioned in that paperwork that you got this year that had anything about another video. It was only the Burger King video. Correct. Okay. All right. I just want to make that clear because once again, that that I know that we've said some things about Gage that maybe put some question marks in his in our minds and in the listeners' minds. But regarding this video, it just seems like it's a rumor, uh, and I, I'm just going to dismiss it as such for now until you know I see proof of it. Has Amtrak okay. been any any help 
to you at all in this? No, no, because they told me that none of it is public record. They couldn't tell me whether he was on the train. They couldn't give me, you know, like a list of, of you know, who who was on the train that night to see if maybe he been using an alias that, that might have, you know, been a little familiar to me. Nothing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, other than telling me that the only train to leave the station that night was the train headed west, that's about as much as I've gotten out of Amtrak. Okay. Is it possible to get an uh, – and I know some people out there, I have many, many, many listeners. I've never ridden an Amtrak train. I'm sure some of them have. Is it possible to get onto an Amtrak train without an ID? Being, remember, of course, reminding the listeners, his military ID and his uh, civilian driver's license – were left in his place at the base. Can you get on an Amtrak train without those? Which I don't think you can since 9-11. Um, mm-hmm. For almost all transportation, you need a form of ID. Okay. So I do not know that for certain, but that's what I, you know, Okay. what I understand. Now, I did ask you something uh, that kind of um, put a light bulb in your head. Is it possible that Trevor still had maybe his driver's license from when he lived in Ohio many years before that, maybe going back to 2012. Could he have used that even though it might have been expired? Maybe he could sneak it by somebody who's not paying attention. Is that possible? Which I would – I yes, and I never even thought of that until you and I had discussed that mm-hmm. about his Ohio driver's license. Because when he moved to New York to the base, he had to get a New York license, even yes. though his state of residence was still Ohio. And New York is just a little funny about that. So sure. um, he, you know, like here in Ohio, you have to turn in your old Ohio license, and and now they just plunge it so that it's not recognized as valid. But I don't think they would have done that in New York. So he might have had his Ohio, old Ohio driver's license. Okay. So there is that possibility. Now, once again, it's something yeah. you didn't even think about until we had talked about it maybe five days ago, um, just in kind of throwing some ideas around. It's, it's a possibility even, you know, and I know that because having moved from Pennsylvania to Nevada, Nevada to Florida, that you basically you can just keep your other driver's license until it expires. You know, and then, of course, right. it's no good. So if you would have kept that around, maybe you could have snuck that by someone. But I still have this big question as far as ID getting on an Amtrak train. Um, you did a lot of um, work very early on. Of course, the military was looking for him. You knew about his disappearance. Do you think that people in Syracuse who would have been getting on that train, riding that train – and maybe even in Cleveland where Trevor could have gotten off, nobody has ever come forward to say they saw him on that train that night. Right. We've heard nothing. Nothing. And what have you, what have you done along those lines to try to, with flyers or something, to try to get the word out that he was on? What did you do at the time to let people know who ride the train that you know, he might have been on there? Your biggest tool these days is the internet. So mm-hmm. I have created a page, Missing Trevor Nichols on Facebook. And I have, there the first year I posted every week, 
every mm-hmm. Friday I would post a new flyer. And, you know, the first couple posts I made were shared, you know, like 500,000 times. It just, you know, was unreal the mm-hmm. amount of circulation that those first several posts had because it was such a new case. Um, yeah. Even now, the the last post that I made on Facebook reached like fifty thousand people, wow. um, which is a drop in the bucket. But still, it, you know, yeah. his case is still getting attention. So, well, it's um, if it's fifty thousand people in the Pulaski, Syracuse, Fort Drum area, that's quite a few. You have to look. You know, you have to. Be, you have to. Yeah, you have to look at it that way too. It, it just depends. Right. But, you know, just depends. Okay, but at the time, until this day, there's nobody that's ever come forward, not even a rumor that anybody saw Trevor on any train back in November of 2017. Right. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about Gage Gonzalez again. Let's first go through the two different stories regarding how he encountered uh, Trevor. Um, okay. What are the two separate stories that you've heard? Of course, you even talked to him that day, and allegedly Trevor was right there and didn't want to talk to you. What are the two different stories? Okay, so the one story is the one that Gage gave me personally, that he went to Pulaski with a couple of the buddies from the base to look for Trevor, found him in Pulaski, but he didn't want to talk to me. And they couldn't convince him to go back. Um, and, of course, I'm assuming that, that Trevor was right there in that area with him as he was talking to me. And he said he he won't even, you know, talk to you. So, mm-hmm. so that was the one story. Then the other story that Gage has told several different people is that he found Trevor at the train station that he and a couple of his buddies just happened to be at the train station and ran into Trevor there in Syracuse, which is nowhere near Fort drum, in New York, Syracuse. where yeah. and, which is it's nowhere near. Away. Yeah. Okay. Who did he tell this other story to? One of the other investigators and one of the detectives. And did you ever have an opportunity to ask Gage why there were two different stories? I have tried to get Gage to answer me, and and that's like I I even sent Gage a message, and it's like, dude, as his mom, I just want to know which direction he went. Please just be honest with me. And at this point, Gage won't even talk to me. He will not respond. He will not answer phone calls. He has not answered text or messenger messages for over a year now. Okay, and I want to talk about that in a second. So we have these two different stories. Allegedly, you had told him to just to follow this, uh, how this all logically uh, came out. You find out about the bank records. You're talking to Gage on the on the 16th or the 17th. He goes down there. And somehow in Pulaski, I don't know how big or small of a town it is, It is, but he goes down there. Maybe Trevor's just hanging out at the Burger King. We don't know. Gage finds him, and then somehow, some way, magically, Trevor ends up at the Amtrak station, and Gage and these other guys seemingly see Trevor leave. But then right. he told the police that 
he he somehow ended up at the train station and there Trevor was just out of the blue and they ran right. into each other yep. and, and just totally left the Pulaski part of it out of it when he talked to investigators, people, actually right. law enforcement officials. And yeah. so are you saying that this one of these stories is this one story about Amtrak going directly Amtrak is the one that he actually told CID, the military police? Um, I guess what I I'm saying. I believe it was the- it wasn't CID. It was the investigator there in New York at the sheriff's office. All right, so sheriff's office. Okay. Because yes. I'm guessing that being that Gage is in the military, I'm thinking it's much more of a big deal to lie to a military investigator, CID, or somebody than it is to a civilian investigator. They're still right. – neither it of them are a, good. a civilian. Yeah, right. n- neither of them are good. You should never lie to either of them, but I'm guessing there's m- many more repercussions if you lie to somebody doing a military investigation. Do you happen to know what Gage told any of the military investigators? No, I do not. Okay, well, that was not in any of the paperwork that you got earlier this year, any statements that Gage ever made to them. Of course, this is a didacted report, so a lot of the system blacked out where it refers to other people's names, mm-hmm. but I do not see anything referring to Gage in this report. Okay, but his name could be, and when we say redacted, that means the, the big black marker through it, you know, and it, of course, and you see a lot of like top secret reports, government reports that have that uh, in there. Gage's name is, isn't in there, but it could be in there. It could be. Yes, correct. It could be. And in all this time in talking to military investigators, have they ever talked to you about Gage and any statement that he ever made to them about Trevor disappearing? Does, does his name ever come up? Not not from the CID, no. The, now, the sheriff yes. investigator did, but not the CID. Okay. All right. That That is uh, – uh, interesting. So we have these conflicting stories about if Gage ran into him in Pulaski or uh, he ran into him at the the train station in Syracuse. But even on top of that, even with the train, he told you that he got on the train, but then he told some other people he's going east, some people he's going west. He wasn't able to keep that straight seemingly either. Right. That's right. Okay. Has anybody else... Any of other of Trevor's other friends in the military, anybody been able to back up Gage's story regarding any of this uh, since this happened? Not that I have spoken to. No. No. Okay. Um, and do you know some of those uh, friends? Once again, Gage was a person you had never even heard of until November fifteenth, two thousand seventeen. Um, what about maybe some of these other people maybe that Trevor did mention in, in a conversation that he had with you uh, once in a while? Anything? Any? any you ever hear I'm, from any I of those do. people? No, um, not that Trevor ever mentioned any of those friends. I did have one of Trevor's friends, Mayor, contact me maybe four or five months after everything happened. Um, he was not on base when the incident occurred, but Mayor did contact me several months later, and he said he had served with Trevor. Um, but no, not, I am 
I knew I had met a couple of Trevor's friends when we had been to New York. We'd been to New York two or three times while he was up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've met a few of the the gentlemen, but n- not that I could you know pull out names and remember who, okay. who those people were. Well, I guess what I'm saying is they surely know that Trevor has a mother. None of them have gone out of their way to contact you. No. You know, not no. even just to say, hey, I know Trevor went missing a year and a half ago. What's going on? Any updates? No, I haven't heard from anybody. Nothing. Okay. I do occasionally get a comment on one of my posts on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I, recently, one of the soldiers in Texas said, you know, I knew Trevor from New York. I, I can't believe he's still missing. You know, mm-hmm. and... and you know, one of the guys said, hey, dude, if you ever see this, you know, you can come by my place anytime, you mm-hmm. know, trying to say, you know, my place is safe for you. But for somebody to actually reach out to me and say, you know, ask for an update or anything, no, it's never happened. Okay. So the first few days you're talking to Gage multiple times, then you said it kind of tapered off maybe a few days later. Um, but now you stated that you don't talk to him at all. When did you notice maybe a deterioration in the communication lines between you and Gage regarding all of this? Like I said, we followed up like maybe a week or two later. And then the next time it was probably about a month, um, mm-hmm. from the date of the disappearance when he was actually AWOL and, and, and now after 30 days, it was classified as a murder. We probably touched base there. Then after about two months, Gage was becoming more distant. He he just, you know, I would send him, I send him, I know I sent him a message and I, I pleaded with him, just please, just tell me which direction he went, which, which way was he headed? And he wouldn't even respond. He wouldn't answer. Um, and mm-hmm. he wouldn't answer the phone. He, he doesn't respond to messages. And... So we have not spoken in mm-hmm. about a year and a half. Uh, have you told uh, any of the detective investigators how he doesn't talk to you anymore, even though he was very helpful at the beginning? Now he just blows you off. Do they know that that's going on? Not the detective investigators. I did have mm-hmm. a private investigator when we first opened Trevor's mm-hmm. case. Um, Brenda Paradise is mm-hmm. with Guardian Search Services, mm-hmm. and she helped me create the first missing person poster and and um did some initial checking into trevor's case for me before i even because well, of course no no parent understands everything that goes on and yeah. where to go and who to contact and so she helped me get started on some of that well i'm more um, concerned about people who can actually start making charges against people um that do any of them know that that Gage quickly became very distant, even though he was very helpful and allegedly saw Trevor here and there and, and everything, whatever story you want to believe, do they know that he now has no contact with you? Have you told them that? Probably not because um, the New York people, like I said, you call CID, Trevor's case is closed. Mm-hmm. You call the the sheriff in New York, they don't even have an open missing person case on Trevor. Mm-hmm. We have a missing person case here in Ohio, but 
that's going nowhere because he's not missing from Ohio. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, my suggestion is even if it's the local, probably should let them know if they don't, of course, hear this interview that we're doing. Should probably let them know that just to put it okay. on the red, just to put it on the record, to put it in the file. Cause um, you know, in unfounds world, this case is very new. Okay, my average case that I cover on this program has to be 18, 20 years old. And so you, wow. you sometimes, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And so it's good to have those things put in a record that it's going to be same like a time capsule for somewhere down the road. Of course, I hope that Trevor is found alive and well right now, tomorrow at the latest. But if that doesn't happen, it's good to start time capsuling these little thoughts and things by telling the police and making sure that it's in a report that they take. All right, write okay. this down, put it in Trevor's file for whenever. Okay, so you can come back to the, we hope that his missing person's case is solved once again very soon. But if that's not what happens, if it gets to two years, if it gets to three years, at least you'll have these, you can look back in the paperwork and say, in August of 2019, I wanted to document that I haven't talked to Gage in a year and a half, and he's blowing me off. Okay. Might, mean, might mean something. You never know. You just, you just, you, you know, you can just, can never tell. You know, you always, you want to hope that things are going to end very quickly, but you got to prepare that this might go on for a while. All right. So Gage, uh, I'm guessing he's probably still in the military. I don't know what status uh, he has, but it doesn't seem like. He's talking to anybody, and in fact, I know that somebody else that you had talked to him, he kind of blew that person off um, as well. Let's talk yeah. – let's let's just take this right back to Trevor now. Was he in any trouble in the military? Can you think of any reason that he might have wanted to run? We have to remember he just re-upped to be in the military for three more years. Anything that now that you look back at it, not quite two years on, you know, how do you look back at that? The only thing that I knew he was in trouble for was the the driving violation. Um, mm -hmm. I know they had the MPs at the house one time when he and Carla were fighting, but, you know, nothing that was a huge red flag that, you know, he was in any trouble on base. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. You know. He seemed to enjoy what he was doing. He he liked being a cook. He, you know, like I said, he was even talking about going on and getting his his degree to to further his um, you know, to apply for promotion. All right. Regarding his bank records, are we then to understand that all of his bank records, uh, any bank activity stopped on the seventeenth? Do you even know if they've ever looked into any bank activity after the seventeenth of November? I have a record here of his bank transaction, um, and he was using his military bank, and I see where he did a ATM cash withdrawal on the 15th, mm -hmm. and he made a purchase at a Dollar General on the 16th, a cash withdrawal on the 16th, and the Burger King on the 16th. And then there was no further activity noted. Mm -hmm. Then this report 
finishes out, um, positively identified specialist Nichols on the pictures captured from the Burger King video, mm-hmm. ascertaining specialist Nichols to be AWOL at this time. Okay. And that was at 5.30 p.m. on November 17th. And then that was the last that they reported. So okay. I do not know if they have even checked his record since then, because as soon as they determined that he was AWOL mm-hmm. and gone of his own free will, then to them, that was a done deal. But, you right. know, they so they no did not had an interest. So you did not, they did not try to collect any bank records after the 17th. So it very well may be that Trevor used his card on the 18th, 19th, 20th into December, but there's no, there's no records of that because nobody's been able to, nobody's been able to get their hands on those records. Right. Nobody's taking the time. Okay. What about his cell phone? I realized that he did not take his cell phone with him, but uh, did anybody ever look at his records to see if he might've called anybody before he took off? That I do not know either. I don't know whether um, the CID did check into anything there. I do see that on the 16th of November, they do say that they expanded their search to include two new personal cellular telephones found in the residence and a laptop. And they did conduct a digital forensic examination of those devices. Okay. So the, I guess the cell phone information is, I, I guess it's not in there. There's no copies of any records that the CID no. was able to collect. Right. There's nothing sent to me. It just says that they did do an investigation. Okay. So we don't know. Once again, as far as you know, you're the only person to talk to him on the 14th, but it very well may be he talked to somebody else and maybe that could open up some other avenue of inquiry into this a disappearance, but it doesn't seem like he had any reason um, militarily to run, but it did seem that the Trevor was going through a lot of things. He might've been struggling right. with some drinking, uh, obviously had a very scary situation on one of his deployments that seemed to change him a little bit. Uh, he's moving, he has to move the divorce, a lot going on for any person, not just a 24 year old, but any person that's a lot. It's a lot. I agree. It's it's a lot. Okay. Um, I have to ask. I asked this of all of the people that I interview. Um, and I know real, you know, because this disappearance once again in Unfound's world is fairly new. Um, what has this been like for you since November, two thousand seventeen? Unreal. I, I I just. I I didn't even know where to begin. You, you know, it just, you never fathom your child disappearing. It, it, it's just, it does, uh, for months, I slept with my doors open and unlocked because I kept thinking that I'd get up in the middle of the night and he'd be here. Uh, every morning, my very first step would be in the room that he used as a bedroom when he stayed here that week, thinking, oh, I'm going to open the door and he's just going to had come in through the night and he's going to be there mm-hmm. every day that I go anywhere. I'm watching somebody walk down the road and I do a double take, you know, is that him? Does it look like him? 
it, it just it doesn't seem real. It mm. it's just so hard to imagine. And I don't know. I'm I'm just mm. still at a loss. Of course, you have two other sons uh, who are older than Trevor. Uh, if you can say, have they been able to give you? Of course, one of them, of course, has been in the military as a uh, a career person in the mili- military. Any have they been been able to give you any insight? Was Trevor talking to them during all this this time? Maybe between August and and November. You know, what have your other sons said about this? If you can say. I know he didn't talk a whole lot to his oldest brother, Tyler. Um, Richard Tyler has schizophrenia, and so he just doesn't cope real well. Um, Mm. I know he and Trevor talked, but it was more just everyday chit-chat. You know, he would talk to his brother, Travis. Um, Travis was in Belize on a deployment when... um, Trevor disappeared. Mm. And I do know that Trevor and Travis had talked just probably a week or so before everything happened. And Travis knew from me that he, those two, that he and that Trevor and Carla were separated, that that was causing some of the problems. And yet Trevor wouldn't even open up to his brother and tell him what was really going on. So, you know, he just didn't didn't talk a whole lot about it to them. Okay. And what about uh your husband, Trevor's dad? If you once again, if you can say. Um most of the time when we would have Trevor on the phone, we would actually do um speaker phone so that mm-hmm. I was always right here with Rick when when all of us were talking. Um I know that Rick and Trevor had some opportunity to talk when Trevor was home in late August. Um, And Rick just tried to support him and, and, you know, say, hey, we're going to get through this. You know, I know this is really hard that she's leaving you and, you know, you're not going to be with your son. But, you know, we'll we'll bring him up there or, or you can come down here for visits or, you know, just Dadly support. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know that you've already mentioned uh, the Facebook page. Why don't you mention it again for all the listeners? Of course, they'll know about it by the time they hear our voices because I will have linked to it. But why don't you tell them about it again? Um, Shortly after he disappeared, um, I did become very active in the missing person pages. Um, and I did create a page for Trevor. It's called Tre- Missing Trevor Nichols, um, Missing Semicolon Trevor Nichols. And um, I've had that active. The first year, it was very active. I would post every week. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this year, I've slowed down, and I've only done, like, a couple personal posts, like when his sister passed away um, or when um, – you know, the began monthly anniversaries. I've mainly just been doing, you know, you know, a couple mm-hmm. posts a month now, just to keep it active and keep it going. Okay, we will surely link to that um, for the episode, so everybody knows about it. They can lo- like it, join it, uh, share it, so they can uh, keep uh, tabs on what is going on. Aaron, any final words before we complete this interview? 
I just hope, you know, I, I, I want to keep hope alive that he's out there somewhere. Um, the, the circumstances are, are, are just strange. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was so upset about going so far away from Lucas, I don't understand why he would just up and disappear and not be a part of Lucas's life at all. Um, I know from the post-traumatic, he, he, I, he was never diagnosed with it, but yet it was a very traumatic experience that he went through that had to be impacting his behavior. But there again, I don't think he was the suicidal type to just give up. Um, he always would encourage me. I struggled with depression and he would always encourage me and say, mom, that's just not the way you're stronger than that. And so he had a very strong ethic that, that life was to be lived. And I don't think, you know, I don't think he gave up. Um, is he out there hiding somewhere? I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. I would just sure. love for somebody to, to see him and say, hey, you know, he's alive. He's okay. He just doesn't want to come home. Yeah, I'm not going to be happy with that, but I could live with that. This not knowing it is just too Terrible. much. The not Terrible. knowing it, it is is killing me. I I just mm-hmm. want to know that he's alive out there somewhere. The not knowing is the worst part. I, I get that from mothers, fathers, uh, siblings, children. Uh, that is the although the, all these disappearances are different. That is one uh, unifier. The not knowing is the is definitely what I've been told is the worst part, for sure. And so I know you you uh, are not alone on that. Uh, Aaron, of course, we've done a lot of brainstorming regarding. Uh, Trevor's disappearance, uh, giving you some, you know, opinions and things. Um, and I hope to could be able to continue to do that with you on uh, the next weeks and months, of course, until the day, uh, that we find out, of course, what happened to Trevor. And I deeply appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Aaron Nichols, mother of Trevor Nichols. I thank her for joining me and all of you on the program. I also got to speak with Trevor's wife, Carla. I don't think I'm at liberty to tell you a lot of what she said because there wasn't an understanding between Carla and myself that her comments would be made public. I think what I can say is there seemed to be discrepancies between what Aaron told me and what Carla said. However, hardly any of it had anything to do with Trevor's disappearance. For example... Aaron said Trevor served in Afghanistan and Iraq, yet Carla said Trevor was in Kuwait and nowhere else. Whoever is right, I don't think it has anything to do with the disappearance. But as far as the disappearance itself is concerned and what Carla said, I think she is confused as anybody else. I don't believe she is connected to Trevor's disappearance in any way. Not to mention that my perception is that Carla's life got harder, not easier, after Trevor went missing. I think Carla had every reason to want Trevor to be around, even though their marriage might have been headed for divorce. So what happened to Trevor Nichols? I would really like to believe this is the first disappearance Unfound has covered where the missing person took off. That Trevor had had enough. He didn't want to go to Kansas. He thought he made a mistake re-upping for five years. He didn't want to get divorced. He had a drinking problem that was getting worse. And that Trevor just decided he would live off the grid for a while. I'd really like to believe that. There are two problems getting in the way, though. Number one, Carla and Aaron agree that what Gage said about November 15th 
through the 17th doesn't make a lot of sense. Did he find Trevor in Pulaski like he told Aaron, or did he not encounter Trevor until Syracuse at the train station? In addition, Gage has basically clammed up regarding anything concerning Trevor. You don't need to be a missing persons expert to know this seems suspicious. Number two, and this goes in the totally opposite direction. Trevor had the same signs of many military members who end up taking their own lives. The moodiness, the drinking, the frustration. And had he committed suicide and his body found, I think this would have gotten in the way of any benefits his wife and child could get. Meaning Trevor might have committed suicide in a way that nobody could find him. Thinking that somewhere down the road, he would be declared deceased and the benefits could go to the people who were entitled to them. The point I keep coming back to is Trevor's family and fellow military members were on the case quite quickly. Forgive the pun. They got the word out. They posted flyers. And my perception is the public is quicker to act when a military member is in trouble than if the person is a civilian. Yet not one person has come forward from that train ride to say he or she saw Trevor. And that train ride is a couple hours. Did Trevor disguise himself? Was there nobody else on the train? Did Trevor just kind of blend into the crowd with all of the other people? And we have no video from the train station despite someone saying that that video exists. A claim I completely dismiss. Why? Because until someone I trust watches the video, I am a cynic. What I'm saying is maybe Trevor faked everyone out, including his military friends, and didn't get on that westbound train at all. I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.